Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. I'm very comfortable asking for three digits. (laughs) But to ask for five digits is uncomfortable. And I think a lot of what was going through my mind was Can I really provide that value? You're unsure because you haven't done it yet. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many of you know how difficult and time-consuming it can be to run a tax factory. It's all too easy to get buried under a mountain of tax, underpriced services, and be in what feels like in your steady state of chaos. The desire is often to work 25 hours a week and to take home compensation that's respectable and representative of all the work you've put in to attain the knowledge that can be so valuable and to stop grinding it out. My guest today is Catherine Osmond. Catherine is a CPA in South Texas who called last year wanting to get off the hamster wheel and get intentional about creating a thriving practice that's designed and built to sell at a high multiple. We've been working together on that vision for just shy of a year. And we're talking about what has changed in that time and what she's learned along the way so that you can have a window into what shifting your accounting practice is actually like. Catherine, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Geraldine. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I want to talk with you about what you've learned along the way and where you see yourself headed. But before we do that, Can you tell listeners where you are right now in your business? I feel like I'm in a transition in my business. So I've had a typical CPA practice for about 12 years. Um, I think everybody, all CPAs out there is going to understand typical CPA practice. Um, And it's sort of grown into this tax factory. Um, I always wanted to have a niche and to build relationships. And I feel like right now I'm transitioning from running this tax factory to starting to be more intentional and to build relationships with the people who fit into my niche. So I feel like I'm in a transition and it's very, very exciting. So give us a sense for the size of your business, just so listeners know what we're talking about. How many people do you have on staff? About how many clients do you have like that? Right. We have 11 on staff right now and we have 1,500 clients. Um, The vast majority, probably about 85% of our revenue is generated from tax returns, tax prep, and the other 15% is generated from all those ancillary services, bookkeeping, payroll, consulting, these types of things. Um, That was until I met you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, let's go right there. Where were you headed when you reached out? Like, What had you pick up the phone and say, I got to call this person? I was on the proverbial hamster wheel. I do not feel like I was headed anywhere except running faster, trying to get off the hamster wheel. Down in the area where we are, and I don't know if this is a national problem or just a problem down in this area, but a lot of our CPAs are getting into their 60s and 70s and sort of ready to do a succession, ready to start looking at retirement. And we don't have a lot of new CPAs coming into our area. So every year we were bringing on more and more new clients, new tax clients, and it just made my little my little legs run faster and faster to try to try to keep up. Because we don't have a lot of new CPAs coming into the area, it's also very difficult to find employees that have the knowledge base that, you know, somebody who can step in and um, really kind of start running um, at a high level. So all of that high level work was really on my on my desk. And it was very difficult to even try to get caught up or to, to see that light at the end of the tunnel. So definitely where I was, was the proverbial hamster wheel. Yeah. Okay. What did you want when you called? Like, what did you think you were going to get? Off the hamster wheel. Or was it just any, any, anything but what you had? Right. <laughs> you know, when I started my practice, I wanted to niche to small businesses. That's what I wanted to do. I never wanted to be a tax factory. So I literally wanted off that hamster wheel and wanted to start targeting a certain group of people where I could work more on building those relationships and helping our clients, not just annually from a tax perspective and just putting numbers in their appropriate boxes, but to really help them from a financial level, from their budgeting to their growth you know, to, to their tax return, but sort of a, be a CFO. I wanted to be a CFO to more people and and less of just a tax prep girl. So when I called you, that's, that's what I wanted. Um, I don't remember the exact podcast I listened to that made me call you, but I remember being in the car listening to the podcast and I went, okay, I'm done. I'm done calling this girl because we're we're getting off this wheel and we're going to start doing something great. Um, I didn't want to be working 60 to 80 hours a week. I've got seven grandbabies. I want to play with my grandbabies and um, do things that I love and not be tied behind a computer screen all the time. So that's what made me call. So once we figured out what it was that you truly wanted and what you were trying to create, the first place that we went was figuring out your niche. This is a really hard step for a lot of people. It seems so scary because it seems like you're going to lose clients and you know half your business is going to evaporate overnight. It ends up being a great thing, but it doesn't, sure doesn't seem like it when you're standing at the precipice. So can you talk about what it was like to niche and how it is now that you're on the other side of it? Yeah. Finding the niche, I think, was, was scary because you're going through your client list and you're not looking at people, you're looking at data, right? And a lot of times, as at least for me, all of these people are... I've known them for several years now. I've, you know, I've known if they've gotten married or had babies or lost a spouse. I mean, they become part of your part of your world and they become your friends. So 
I always wanted to look at the people and not just look at the data and go like, oh, but but let's tuck her in here too. We have to tuck her in too. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised that we don't have to, those people that I did develop super relationships with and that, you know, maybe I do want to keep them even though they don't fit in the niche, I can because of, because of whatever that is. Um, and then I remember the first niche that we picked, I actually called you a week later and said, nah, I don't want to do that one. <laughs> Let's do a different one. Yeah. So it's okay. Tell, well, tell listeners what that was, because that was potentially really interesting and such a departure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So the first niche that we chose was gamers. Um, these guys, these young guys, well, and girls, young people who are um, doing this gaming and they're earning just incredible amounts of money by streaming themselves playing these games. And I have a couple of clients who do that and they're they're interesting and they're wonderful and it was going to be a cool thing to do. But the more that I thought about me and my personality and you know, sort of the direction that I wanted to go. Um, it just, it just didn't, it just, just didn't sit in my heart right. So um, I called you up about a week or 10 days later and said, scrap that. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to do farmers. I went from these young gamers to these farmers in South Texas. So it's kind of a far, far jump, but um, it was the right decision for me for, for what was going to sit, you know, better. And, and I, gr- I grew up in a really small Texas town. And so I was surrounded by Texas farms and already knew a lot. You know, it, it just fit. It just it just fit for me. So, yeah. So it's OK to choose the wrong one first and then to go, you know, that that doesn't sit just right. Let's choose a different one. Yeah. Yeah, you know it when it's the wrong niche. It's like a shirt that's too tight in the shoulders. Like you're like, I gotta get this thing off. I can't wear this. Right. <laughs> exactly. So how is it now that you're on the other side of it? And just for listeners um, to have a sense of time, it's been not quite a year. You had life happen for about three to four months in a serious way, but, but it's been more or less a year. How does how does working with farmers and being in that niche? What's that experience like? now that you've had time to be in it? Well, it's awesome. It is awesome. And I have to say that when you and I first met um, last June and you had given me the timeline of 12 months, I I have to tell you that privately I did the big eye roll. Um, 12 months, you're not going to change my business, the face of my business in 12 months. I mean, it's just not, I mean, I just don't believe that's going to happen. I feel like I was fairly active. I was probably 50 to 70% good on homework. I wasn't perfect on homework, but I feel like I was pretty, at least 50%. And we were kind of rolling and I could, I could start to see even in September. So, okay, we're, we're rolling, but I didn't, there really wasn't a big change except the plans were starting to manifest on paper. And then when life happened in November, I, um, I took a sabbatical for about four months um, to, to take care of some family issues. And when I came back, we hit the ground running. And from really March until now, it's just, it's it's incredible. There's no doubt. You did it in 12 months with me taking four months. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been able to, um, to sign four clients into this niche. 
the revenue that we're generating from those clients is something that really was only a dream for me to begin with. And the clients that I'm working with on a regular basis, the feedback that they're giving me is just, you know, you've saved one of the, last week, one of them said, you saved me over 50 hours of work with what you've done here and what you've been able to provide me. Mm. That's huge. That's huge to save this guy 50 hours of work that he can be out working his, you know, in his fields and on his equipment and with his team and not behind a desk crunching numbers. So I feel like that we're really providing an excellent value for them. So it's not just about the money that we're generating. I feel like the value is truly there for these guys. And, and it's really, really exciting. Um, we've signed four and I, I'm super stoked about the next four. I can't wait to find them. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the value. And then let's, if we can just talk high level without getting too specific about numbers, because I'm betting you listeners want to know. What else are you hearing from your fractional CFO clients? Saving the time is definitely one of them. Having real numbers uh, is another big one. So I think a lot of times, small business owners, periods, this is not just farmers, small business owners, period. They feel like they have their numbers. They can feel their numbers. Intrinsically, they know if payroll is too high or, you know, whatever, insurance is too high. They, they intrinsically know our sales are down or they're up or whatever, but to actually see it on paper and to put an actual number on that is, is huge. And a couple of the farmers have said, I had no idea. I, had, I knew it was there, but I had no idea the, the amount that was actually there that we're, that, you know, that we can save or that we can you know, that we're overspending or whatever those numbers are. They intrinsically knew something was off, but they couldn't put their finger on it. So to be able to put their finger on it and to be able to quantify those numbers, I think is another thing that has been been huge. And I think lastly, the last thing that's been a really big thing is tax savings. So in this particular niche, tax strategies are few and far between. And it's really not about tax savings, it's about tax deferral in this particular industry. So being able to provide them with ideas once we have those numbers, once we have real numbers, not just numbers that they scratched out on a napkin and handed to their tax preparer, but we have real numbers, we've been able to save um, significant dollars uh, from using tax strategies. They didn't even know that was a thing. So to be able to bring that to the table and um, offer some solutions there um, has been instrumental for them in keeping cash in their pocket. When you say significant dollars, how significant are we talking? Like 10 bucks, 20, 100, 100,000, a million? Like... Yeah, we're talking six digits. And because it's tax savings, that's every year. This is not a tax deferral that they're going to have to pick up later on in life. These are actually savings and, you know, savings. So when you're looking at six digits every single year, as long as the tax code is what it is, right? Obviously, we'll have to come up with other strategies when it changes again, but that that's the savings every year. So they're, they're huge numbers and really makes their operating, their cash flow much easier uh, and less stressful. That's an easy lead in then to pricing, because the first time you had a conversation with your first pilot um, CFO client, 
<laughs> I think there may have been a little bit of sweating beforehand. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of sweating beforehand. <laughs> so yeah, if you can like talk about the experience of, I mean, this was great. Like we created this service for them. We designed it. We kind of tested what we thought was some reasonable pricing, some fair pricing that was gr- a great deal for them, great compensation for you. But you were a little nervous because it was more than you would, it was a lot more than you'd ever charge anybody else annually. So can you talk about what that was like and to the extent that you're comfortable, not exact yeah. prices? So um, it was incredibly uncomfortable. The first um, actual presentation that I did with a potential client, um, I I must have called you or texted you or voxered you thought 9,000 times um, between that. Just what do I say? What do I do? What, what if? What if? What if? You know, and... Um, trying to get that verbiage exactly right because it is, I'm very comfortable asking for three digits. <laughs> but to ask for five digits is, is, is uncomfortable. And I think a lot of what was going through my mind was, can I really provide that value? You're unsure because you haven't done it yet. You know, what can I really be, and you want it to be a win-win. I don't want somebody to pay me and then them, it's just an expense. They're not getting the value. So I wanted to make sure that the value was there and it's Mm. difficult because you haven't done it. So you don't know if that value is really going to be there. So asking for the digits before you know that the value is going to be there was, was stressful. The first time I said the words, it was hard and I had to get confident I guess is is the right word. I had to get confident that even if I didn't know if the value was going to be there, I knew that in my heart, I could go back and say, look, I made a mistake. You know, I need to, I need to revamp this. That it wasn't, I wasn't, they weren't signing their life away in blood. Um, So that really gave me the clearer picture to say, let's do this. Let's roll forward with this. Let's ask for these numbers because it's going to, it's an incredible amount of work. Um, and then let's just make sure that that value is there for Ian, that value is there plus. So, um, I'm super comfortable now that the numbers, you know, that we're asking for are, um, exactly where they need to be. Um, if not even a little bit higher <laughs> because the value is definitely there, but that, that took some mind shifting that took some shifting in my mind. Um, and the first, the first one was incredibly uncomfortable, but the second and third and fourth one, it got a little bit easier each time because we were seeing the value in that first one. Yeah. It's once you start to see how much value you help your clients create, it becomes so much easier to name prices that are much higher that, you know, just a month ago were really uncomfortable. So we've modeled out, mapped out some numbers for you in terms of where we want your business to be, where you want your business to be in 2023 and get it in a position to sell for a certain multiple. And what that means in terms of the number of CFO clients that you need to either find, onboard, engage, what have you. What's unexpected about this part of the process in terms of finding those eight people? Um, I think that's probably been the bonus of this whole thing. I think when I started, I just wanted to get off that hamster wheel, right? Um, I am in my early 50s, so succession was something that was always in the back of my mind. I don't want to be that CPA that's 87 years old still coming to work. So 
the succession planning and being able to understand that what I needed to do to be able to to market this practice at some point um, was really like the cherry on the top. That's such a huge, like just thinking about succession or thinking about what you want to sell a practice for, like that, there's so many inputs to that and it, it just clouds and clutters your brain when you even start to think about that. But through this process of doing this, we've put very, very specific goals. In 2021, it needs to be this. In 2022, it needs to be this. In 2023, until we get to the point that we're ready to sell and having everything in that nice, neat little package with that pretty little bow on top, I, I have a little sticky that I keep on my desk that has those numbers on it. And every day I look at those numbers and they're not wild numbers anymore. Whereas even six or eight weeks ago, I would have been like, there's no way. There's no way I can do that. Six or, week, six or eight weeks later into the process, I look at the sticky and go, oh yeah, we're, we can do that. That's, that's practically a done deal. So whereas before, those, all of that would have just been a, a chaotic thought process for me. Like I wouldn't have even been able to process any of it. But this has really been instrumental for that. For me, my goal when I called you was to get off the hamster wheel. I am off the hamster wheel or it's slowing down at super duper rates right now. And not only that, I have moved on to this succession to where in three to five, six years, mm -hmm. you know, I've got some, a really nice practice that's going to be marketable um, to get me a, a good retirement, you know, uh, so that I can go and enjoy those grandbabies even more. So I think for me, that succession planning was a cherry on the top. I had not expected that. And it was, now it's doable and something that's attainable. Yeah. And those numbers are attainable, right? We look at those spreadsheets and it's not pie in the sky. No, no. You know, we're not it, just making stuff up. The way that you put it out there, it's so, it's in nugget form. You know, we talk about eating the elephant one bite at a time. I mean, we did, we ate the elephant one bite at a time and it's, it was just the way that you were able to present it and to, to knock it down into these little bitty, the homework assignments. Um, it was, it was awesome. So I'm, I'm, that's probably the, like I said, definitely the cherry on the top for me. Awesome. Let's talk about a couple little, a couple big decision points actually about what to do with your existing practice and your existing clients, because you have, you mentioned at the top, something like 1500 clients. And many of those are personal relationships and people that you've known over, over the years. And one really difficult step in this process can be to disengage clients. Even the ones, I mean, when I look at CPAs and their Facebook groups, y'all have a penchant for suffering that is just amazing. Like there's a, there's a level of masochism. that I'm just like, wow, <laughs> these people, they want to suffer. It's incredible. You will take on clients who are pains in the butts and you will put up with them for years. Not all of them are like that, but I mean, they're, right. you know. <laughs> Everybody, I, listeners know what I'm saying. But when even once you get rid of the difficult clients, you still have a lot of clients who you really like and enjoy and want to keep. And you are at sort of a, a fork in the road of what do I do? Do I get rid of this entire tax practice and sell it off? Do I just let it evaporate or do I keep it and optimize it? And then do I grow the ag CPA arm simultaneously? Or do I just let the whole tax factory go so that I can focus 100% on ag CPA? 
So can you talk a little bit about that decision-making process and sort of what went through your mind and what you ended up deciding and why? Yeah, absolutely. And that probably, honestly, was the one thing that gave me the most angst. Um, I would change my mind every seven days (laughs) or several months. It's like I had mentioned before, it's disconcerting to think about losing some of the clients. Some of the clients, like you said, are just, yes, when can I let them go, you know? because they're difficult and they're angry and and they don't listen to you and all those things. But there's a lot that you, we've spent 12 years building relationships with and the thought of them going somewhere else sometimes causes us to grieve a little bit almost. It's almost, you're almost like a loss. It's almost a grieving process. So being in my little town, like I'd mentioned earlier as well, we don't have a lot of CPAs out there and so hiring another CPA was something that I had always thought about doing, but it just never seemed to present itself exactly correctly. So about a month ago, I made the decision, six weeks ago, I made the decision I was just going to start letting clients go. I was just going to do the ag arm. That was just going to be it. I was just going to either sell off what I had or I was going to make a business decision and not let my heart get involved. I'm a big believer in the butterfly effect. So I think almost the minute that I made that decision, I had several things happen that kind of led me to believe that's not the right decision for you. That's not the right decision for your clients. But I think I had to get to this place before all of these other doors were going to open. So I decided um, to put an ad out on Indeed to hire a CPA, which I did put that ad out. And then almost miraculously, I had a local CPA call me and say, hey, I saw the ad on Indeed. You're hiring a CPA. Let me come talk to you. So she came in and talked last week, and we have definitely solidified the decision that um, I'm going to keep the tax factory and let this new CPA run with that. And while thereby alleviating my time, to be able to run with this ag um, niche. So, but I think I had to go through all of that in order to get to this thing. I don't think I could have gotten to the same place where I am now had I not jumped through all those hoops. But I I feel really good about it. I'm um, excited about her. She's very smart and capable. And uh, I feel really good that all of these clients that I know and love are going to, you know, still be taken care of and that we still have all their history here and and can move forward with them. But that was probably the, the most difficult decision. And again, that was the decision for me. That doesn't mean that somebody else, the decision would have been different. That's just what what worked out for me in, in this process. So, um, yeah, but that had to have been the most difficult of this entire process. That had to have been the most difficult decision. Yeah. And these paths aren't always obvious and clear at the outset. It's like you've got to get your hands in the dirt and get muddy. You do. To get the clarity that you need. I want to talk about where you're going. We've touched on it a little bit, but what do you see possible now that you couldn't even have imagined or seen 12 months ago? I think being able for me to sit in a CEO chair. Um, Before, I was very much the daily CPA, um, answering questions, taking phone calls, doing a lot of the high-end prep, 
finding the marketing, doing, you know, everything. Uh, I was very much in the minutia of the daily details. And I didn't really understand how I was going to get to a CEO chair to be able to run this business from a high level um, where I don't have to be here 60, 80 hours a week. So I think moving forward, um, being able to sit in a CEO chair, sit in my office 20 to 25 hours a week and let this the staff and these processes that we're building and and these these high end decisions that we've made let them produce the fruit right and i can just come in and kind of just make sure if there if there's a little squeaky wheel i can just throw a little grease on it and then move on down the road i don't have to be in the daily uh, minutia of the business so I think for me, finding the CEO chair has been, that's the thing I'm the most excited about. Yeah. What do you think it took for you to find the CEO chair? What had to change? My, my own brain. <laughs> my mind had to change. I think I was so nervous. You know, even, even having, having hired the CPA and choosing to, to keep the, the tax factory, understanding that we don't have to take every single person that comes in the door. Let's take the good people but why are we going to take the people that bring stress and frustration and headaches and anger and chaos? Why keep them? If they're not going to bring joy to you and your staff, let them go. Life is too short. So I think it was a mind shift for me, A, to trust my team, to trust the process and to trust my team. And B, to understand that I don't, it just because my name is the, the name that's on the outside of the door out on the street, that doesn't mean I have to be here 60 or 80 or 100 hours a week. That just means I, I can sit in that CEO chair. And I think for me, it was a mind shift. Um, and you helped me. I guess that was another big cherry on, on top was you helping me um, understand the mind shift and sort of what all the stuff that fed me for the last 52 years that gave me this mindset that you helped me sort of get some of that clutter out and say that, but that's not how it has to be. Just because that's how you thought it had to be doesn't mean that that's how it actually has to be. So I think for me, it was a mind shift of understanding that that's actually possible. I don't have to be in the daily, the day to day. Yeah. And in fact, what got you here is not only will it not get you there, but it's in the way of getting you there. Oh, absolutely. It's an obstacle. It's obstacle. It's an ob- I would never, I would never, never been able to get to where I am right now if I would have stayed in that same mindset. I never would have been here. Yeah. I love this. All this talk of cherries is making me think hot fudge sundaes. I was just thinking, maybe I should have said hot fudge. <laughs> one is hot fudge and one is the cherry. I don't know. <laughs> so let's end with this question. For listeners who are in perhaps the place that you were in a year ago, what do you most want them to know? Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> it worked. Okay, be more, spe- be more specific. <laughs> you know, there's a process. And if you follow the process and you do the work, it's possible. All those things that you have in your mind. And, and I know when you were in school becoming a CPA, you had this idea about what it was going to be like. And then 
when you took that first job or opened up your practice or whatever, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just putting numbers in boxes all day long. And, it, and it's just headaches. And you're thinking to yourself, I should have done something different. I shouldn't have even become a CPA. This is terrible. Um, but all those dreams that you had back then, they are possible. You just have to get out of your own way. You have to get out of your own way and you have to believe. You have to believe that it's possible. And then put the work in. And the work is not putting numbers in boxes. That's not the work. That's the daily minutia. You have to put the work in on the homework that um, that you're assigned and, and just just do it. Just make the decision to do it because it is so, on the other end, it is so worth it. This was less than a year. This was less than a year and I took a four-month sabbatical and I would have told you you were crazy. I would have told you you were crazy if, if somebody would have told me this a year ago, but I'm telling you it works. I'm just a simple little South Texas girl. I did not do anything. I don't have any magic dust that I spread around except Geraldine. <laughs> Geraldine is my magic dust. Um, yeah, it works. The process works and uh, believe in it. Believe in it. Yeah, we're not doing any magic over here, really. It's not rocket science no. and we're not pulling rabbits mm-hmm. out of hats. It's it's simply doing some smart business strategy maneuvers that, you know, in time when committed to them, change things. And I, I would beg to differ on you're just a simple little girl from South, South Texas. <laughs> because you, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate the diminution, but I'm not going to buy it because <laughs> you're a smart woman who sees opportunities and knows how to connect the dots and makes it happen. So well, I guess the only other the only other thing I'd like to say quickly is that it's easy. It really is easy. It's not difficult. It's easy. All you have to do is get out of your own way. Yeah. That's it. And you say it in a special South Texas way. Why don't you give us the full throttle? <laughs> the way you'd say it to me when, when we're talking. <laughs> I don't even know. Y'all, y'all. I gotta don't. get out of my own damn way. <laughs> y'all, get out of your own damn way, y'all. <laughs> Well, it's been, for my part, a real honor and a real joy to watch you make all these strides. I know that it hasn't always been easy at times, but we both see what's coming and it's been, it's, it's so fun to work with you and I can't wait to see what is next. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Did this year's tax season nearly kill you? Do you desperately want to be somewhere else? a year from now, but you feel overwhelmed and lost about what to do to change things? The next time you find yourself wondering what to do, head over to shethinksbigcoaching.com to check out the results that clients get from working together. Then take the next logical small step and subscribe to my daily drip newsletter. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. That's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, 
it's all there.